Another thing we do every year, which I love about our church, is during the holiday season, it seems when it's craziest, we give our biggest, and we actually call it the big give. And uh, so for the month of November and December, we uh, launch a, a, a point of focus, of emphasis, and I can't wait for you to see this year, we're going big, we're going to the world. Would you please watch this video? We are a family of five siblings. My mother is pregnant with her sixth child. Life has been very difficult for us. Our house is cramped and covered with just a plastic roof. We get soaked whenever it rains, and it is next to a smelly drainage. My father used to have a steady job. But now all he gets are small odd jobs. Some days he tries to sell packets of spices. All we had to eat was rice with salt and water. Sometimes we could add soy sauce. We live a difficult life. My husband worked long hours but could not earn enough. We could only afford to buy half or just a quarter of the amount of rice that we need. Sometimes my husband and I would not eat just so our children could. It was very hard. I feel sad and cry when I thought of my brothers and sisters. They had nothing to eat and we often went to bed with empty stomachs. It is difficult because we could not sleep. I would lay awake at night, thinking of things to do to make money. The night is long when you cannot sleep. They can't withstand hunger. They would ask for more food, but we don't have any food left to give. It seemed nothing would ever change. But then it did. Rika was selected to be part of the children's feeding program with Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope helps us in so many ways. They give us food bags and groceries. From Monday to Friday, they serve rice porridge and egg. Sometimes fruit like bananas or fried fish fritters. We'll even have chocolate rice porridge. I'm happy for my brothers and sisters because we all have nutritious food. They give us enough for all of us to eat. The feeding program helps us so much without expecting anything in return. Kamboy of Hope has helped the kids with their studies, provided blankets, thrown Christmas parties, and made sure we have what we need. 
Sometimes I volunteer so I can give back to the organization that has changed our lives. I want to be a teacher because I want to help the children in the streets who are just like me. Just keep going, keep fighting. As long as we're living, we can keep going. Gumboy of Hope has changed my life. My family is much happier, and so am I. And now, I am able to sleep. For decades, Convoy of Hope has continued to impact thousands of people in communities like this through children's feeding programs, agricultural training, women's empowerment initiatives, and disaster relief. Convoy of Hope is making an enormous impact throughout the world. You can be part of this movement by joining in the One Day to Feed the World campaign by giving one day's wages. You turn your daily work into action. Your one day transforms their every day. Thank you for supporting the mission of Convoy of Hope and bringing hope to communities around the world. Here's what I know. Uh, where you live shouldn't determine if you live. And this is not to lay guilt on us today. Um, and but we're going to do something about it. That's why I love. What can we do? And each year, we take on a project. Many times, it's a local project. This year, we just felt like God wanted us to go big and just to impact the world. I'm going to go ahead and let the guys uh, take the offering right now. Uh, we kind of set you up for that, right? So just empty your wallets. Think about that little girl. No, I'm just kidding. This is our regular way to give today. If you've given online, we say thank you for that. I know we've got a lot of moving parts today. But uh, each year, we would have a touch point and uh, for the big give. One year we bought a new uh, bus for the Family Place uh, Relief Nursery and that was so fun to give those keys over to that incredible ministry. Uh, one year we remodeled Love Inc.'s uh, office space. Uh, one year we built an orphanage <laughs> in India and a dream center there. And so th the generosity of this church is, is amazing and I'm so excited about being a part of it. And here's what we say. The biggest offerings we ever take, we want it to be for someone else. And Convoy of Hope is a partner for us. And what I mean by that, they are a relief organization right here in the United States. They have one of the largest warehouses uh, right in the center of the United States. And out of there, every time there is a natural disaster, when uh, Hurricane uh, Ian went through uh, Florida, the Convoy of Hope semi-trucks were on the road before the wind stopped blowing, and they were one of the first ones there to start unloading. FEMA thinks Convoy of Hope is amazing. They have a, a way to procure things where they keep that warehouse full of emergency supplies through uh, partners like Walmart and, and uh, uh, Target and different places to say, hey, can you use this, can you use that? Just as an example, I was just talking to one of their directors, and the Johnson Johnson Clorox brand called Convoy of Hope and said, hey, uh, can you uh, use like uh, 200 truckloads of Clorox products? And here's the deal. They have that system. They have the trucks. And they said, okay, yes, we'll take it. They said, all right, if you just come get them, you can have it. 200 semi-truckloads of wipes and hand sanitizer. How many know that that is what is needed? It's, it doesn't stop there. They called the end of the day and said, sorry, 
It's going to be more like 400 truckloads. By the end of that relationship, 900 truckloads of Clorox cleaning products are now in a warehouse in Missouri and get distributed immediately when there's a disaster anywhere. But here's the beautiful thing is Convoy just doesn't have one in the United States. They have warehouses literally around the world. I had the privilege uh, to go to Haiti and see where they had a warehouse right there where they were, they were immediately responding to things like earthquake and feeding programs. One day to feed the world is our way to continue to support them in all their ministries. But they feed, just like what you saw there, they feed over 300,000 children every day in, in these programs. And uh, so it's so easy. It's, it's one of those things that you can grab a hold of. How much do I make in a day? Well, you got to calculate that. Uh, what if I took one of my day's pay and changed every day for someone else? That just sounds really cool to me. And one of our traditions here in the Big Give is that we have an ornament wall that usually you go to. This year you're going to see it's actually a couple trees and there's various different ornaments with different amounts on them. So to emphasize what we're doing around the world, this year we have a globe ornament and the tag says Convoy and Big Give. And when you decide, I don't want you to do it today, I want you to prayerfully consider this. We never try to do it out of... Uh, uh, you know, trying to make you feel guilty or, or spring something. So over the next several weeks, we're going to do it between now and December 19th, actually, the Sunday the 19th. We're going to be collecting offerings, and any way you give it, just hit Big Give or Convoy. It, every dime of that is going to go. That. You know, traditionally, we give about at least $25,000 every year through this initiative. Can you imagine what that's going to do in a feeding program? It's, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. And when you decide that, hey, we want to do that, I want you and your family to take one of these ornaments. And I'm saying, you know, and there's some of you that are already decorated from Christmas, and I don't even know what's wrong with you. But uh, <laughs> some of you might even be starting to listen to Christmas music. Hey, you know, it's, uh, let's do it, right? But when you put up that tree, if you haven't already, what if your first ornament on that tree represented somebody else? I know we got a lot of good stuff under the tree for us. But what if the first ornament on the tree was about what your commitment was to the world? And uh, so I just want to challenge you with that today. You're going to be seeing a lot of materials right now on the seats. There's uh, some information that kind of tells you how we're going to do this. And uh, throughout uh, the next several weeks, we're going to be showing you different videos and we're going to be putting different things in your hands. But so this is where we're going. This year, we're going big. Big give. We're going for the world. And this is the touch point. So I want you to prayerfully consider that. And as a family, this is amazing. I know the women are going to be doing a Christmas brunch on December 10th. They have an organization called Women's Empowerment. Wait till you hear about this. I mean, they go into community. They don't just blow in, blow up, and blow out. They go in and make lives different. And uh, it's, it's so cool that we have that partner. Convoy of Hope, you can look them up online and you'll see they have one of the highest ratings for organizations, NGOs like them, and one of the, the highest ratios of the, the dollar that you give to Convoy of Hope, it goes to meet the need. I don't know if you knew this, but sometimes you can't guarantee that with a lot of things you see on TV. You give in a dollar, and it's kind of shocking how much, how little of that dollar goes to the actual need, and it all goes to overhead. Convoy of Hope does an amazing job, and you'll see that there, and uh, we're excited to partner with them. And having a partner like this goes like this. It's like hurricane in the United States. We know Convoy is going to be there 
because we've given to them and we've helped them be ready. Something happens around the world, we know there's a warehouse within striking distance that they can be on the road and uh, seeing that happen. So that's where we're going. I know this is a lot today, just kind of throwing a lot of things at you. But uh, so we celebrate Carlton for one year. We're launching Big Give. And now we're going to keep going on our series before we go into some more worship at the end. We're in a series right now on mental health. And uh, I don't know, uh, I don't think that we've done an adequate job in the church when it comes to mental health. I know that that's talked about a lot right now. Sometimes in the church, it's an issue in Christianity, just like the rest of the world. And, uh, but last week we talked about some myths. We started this by, what are some myths about mental health? For, the first myth was that Christians shouldn't have mental health issues. And we, 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 we knew that's wrong. The second myth was that God doesn't care about your mental health. That's also wrong. But here's the day, and I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna lay something, you're gonna go, yeah, Captain Obvious, no duh. But we live in an anxious world. We do. And this next week is going to be even more anxious for obvious reasons. Most of us are feeling it. You know, sometimes anxiety for some of us is easier than others. We get a little anxious and, and, and we can keep going. Sometimes it shuts us down. I remember the first time I realized maybe I had an anxiety problem <laughs> was uh, we had George Fox University has a serve day and they send out teams all around our area uh, to serve in projects. Phenomenal, phenomenal impact they make. But they also make these available to churches. And the first couple times we said, hey, let's get a team in to help us with projects in the church. So we had about 20 students come and uh, we had all these projects laid out. We had the tools, we had the stuff ready to go. We had some people here to help direct it. And, uh, and all the students show up and off it went and everything <laughs> went wrong. Uh, it seemed like there were so many questions. I'd try to solve one problem. Then we'd have to find another one. They'd say, hey, Dave, what's this? Uh, how does this work? Is this the right tool? We need more shovels. Uh, do you have any more hand grenades? Uh, I mean, it was just like, uh, is that tree supposed to fall down? Whose car did we just destroy? I mean, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And, and I was like, hoo, ha, hoo, ha, he, ha. You know, I'm trying to answer all these questions. And pretty soon, I just felt this wave kind of go over me. And I, I remember uh, I walked into the office and whoever was in the office at the time, I said, uh, I'm going to leave this property. I don't know where I'm going, but don't look for me. <laughs> True story. And I got into my car and I drove. I don't know where I ended up. And I, I'm not, you know, I wasn't going to drive into a cliff. I, was, I, was just, I just had to get away. And I was like, wow, I was embarrassed. I felt like a loser. I'm like, and you're a, what's wrong with me? And these students probably think, you know, where'd that guy go, man? He's like two sh fries short of a Happy Meal. What's, is he not? Someone said to me one time, well, when you feel that way, just don't feel that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, you know, well-meaning Christians will say, you know what? Don't receive that feeling, right? Don't receive, reject it. It's the enemy. And that's sometimes that doesn't help either. And it can leave you feeling deflated and hurt and angry. And then I read amazing scriptures that bring hope. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. But can I be so honest? Is that even possible to not to be anxious about anything? Did the Apostle Paul know what kind of world we've got now when he wrote that? But we open up news apps. <laughs> we turn on our televisions. And we see, it seems like the world is falling apart. And when you battle anxiety, 
It feels like there's so much to be anxious for. According to a study taken in 2019, two out of three Americans says that they were anxious or extremely anxious. 2019, <laughs> do you remember that great year? It's before the, all the wheels fell off, right? Can you imagine what that statistic is now after the little worldwide pandemic that we went through? We've heard that this generation is one of the most stressed out and anxious generations ever. In fact, 91% of those who have a high school or college age student say that they report consistent and significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. So one of the most prolific mental health issues of the day would be our anxiety. So we're going to talk about that today. And I want to start by acknowledging that, first of all, this is an incredibly complex subject. Last week I said this, I am not a mental health expert. I am not a licensed counselor. I want to talk about this from a spiritual perspective, and I want to look into God's Word and see how we can navigate through this. And for some of this, you might say, well, occasionally I get a little stressed out, it's no big deal. But for others of us, it can be crushing, debilitating. There can be a constant sense of dread. It can come on like shortness of breath. You can feel your heart racing. And hopefully just talking about this isn't start bringing that on for some. But you feel like maybe the walls are closing in. Or maybe you feel like me and you just say, you know what? I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive. <laughs> I don't know where, but I've just got to get away. And today we're going to look at some powerful examples of a godly leader who had to deal with this. Anytime we go through something that's very real, I look in God's word and say, if it's happened to me, it probably happened to someone else. And let me see how they dealt with it. We're going to look to God's word. Would you pray with me before we jump in? Jesus, I thank you, God, today. Father, we've prayed as teams beforehand. I've prayed beforehand today and asked you just to work in and through us. And I know sometimes when we have so many moving parts, we can feel like we're rushing. But God, I pray that there would just be a peace that would come over as we communicate these truths and that there would be action steps that we could step into. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Heal my anxious mind is what we're talking about today. In your Bibles in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 20, we look at one of, probably one of the best kings in Judah. There were some good ones and there were some not so good ones. I don't know about you, but when I read, when I go through, and especially in the, the Life Journal, going through the Bible app and just going through the Old Testament and it kind of builds up to King David and you kind of go, yeah, and then Solomon, yeah, and then it just starts, it just starts getting really bad. King after king after king. But there was one king that was a good one and his name was Jehoshaphat, right? Fourth king of Judah in the southern kingdom once it split. Probably one of the best names in the Bible. Anyway, it's probably right there. Jehoshaphat and Zerubbabel. That, those are some great names, but they're not on the top baby name list. I thought Colin and Emily might, you know, we'd have a Jehoshaphat, maybe a Zerubbabel, but no. But Jehoshaphat was a good king, and he faithfully served God. But Judah, as in most times, they had enemies, and periodically they would be under attack. So if you can imagine a godly king leading a good kingdom, and all of a sudden the Bible says in Second Chronicles chapter 20 that the Moabites are attacking. And not only the Moabites, but the Moabites plus the Amorites are attacking. And that's not all either. 
the Mennonites, right? And I could make a dumb joke about mosquito bites. I'm not going to do it. But so what I'm telling you is multiple nations start banding together, a combination of forces that were overwhelming and larger than Israel or especially Judah could answer. And this illustrates the very reason why many of us are battling anxiety because, you know, I can handle one thing coming at me. And believe me, it was not the George Fox students that were the problem that day at all. Amazing people wanted to do it. But it's when you're trying to juggle multiple things at once, right? You can handle the difficult boss for a while, but then the difficult boss plus your car issues, plus your financial issues, plus what's going on in your family, plus a stressful marriage, plus your kids are in trouble. You see what I'm saying? And it begins to stack up, stack up, say, hey, it's not just one enemy. Hey, it's not just two enemies. Guess what? We got three enemies knocking on the door. It's too much. And we referenced early the, the younger generation. And what's fascinating is this most anxious generation. One of the reasons this article stated is that we've got a generation that's coming out of college. They're highly educated. They got a clear path. They want to make it to success but it's, they're underemployed. <laughs> they feel like they're falling behind. They feel like they can't afford to get married. They can't afford to buy a house. They can't, and it's just this anxiety in our culture just keeps ratcheting up. And so what I'm getting at is when we say in the church, hey, you shouldn't feel anxious. Once you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Those are some uh, laughs of uh, reality. And then you feel more guilty because you are anxious. And then it makes me feel more anxious because I'm not strong enough in my faith, obviously, because strong people in their faith aren't feeling anxious. So here's the deal. Number one, anxiety isn't a sin. Anxiety is not a sin. Jesus was anxious. You say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Hey, in the garden right before he was arrested, he told his, his closest friends, I am and being crushed inside. I am so overwhelmed in this moment. Jesus never sinned. Anxiety is not a sin. Now, Jesus was able to pray through that and give through that in that incredible time. But what I'm trying to tell you today is that anxiety isn't a sin. Anxiety is a symptom. And maybe I'd say this, anxiety is a signal. I have a vehicle, like most of you, that I get in and escape in. But I don't know, if you look on your dashboard, there's all kinds of gauges on your vehicle that will give you signals about how your vehicle is doing. And every once in a while, if something's wrong, a light will go off, right? A signal will go off. How many of you know someone uh, in your life or in your history, someone that you knew that would just put a piece of black tape over the light so they just didn't have to see it? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, come on, I see you. Yeah, that's right. Now, you've never done it, but some, somebody else did. It's, I, I love that. You know, well, if I can't see it, it must not be there. Yeah, the emperor has no clothes. I love it. <laughs> but those signals are there, right, for a reason, right? Each one of us, <laughs> we have a dashboard. We have some gauges. And every once in a while, i got to look inside and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. How come I'm peaking on red, right? I remember uh, my very computer-like truck has a lot of computers in it. I got on it one day and I started it up and, and every, every light was blinking. It was just, it was like, I mean, this thing was just like, and I'm like, whoa, I tried to put it in gear and it's just like, 
Er. And I was like, yikes. I was right next to the Ford dealership, amazingly. And so I limp in there. I've got a friend that works at customer service or in, in the service department. And I say, what is going on? My truck is destroyed. It's ruined. It's over. And he goes, shut it off. He reads some codes. He resets some things. Starts up, runs like a top. I'm just like, what's going on there? He goes, well, it was probably a bad cell phone signal that interrupted with your computer system and just, I said, are you kidding me? Am I that vulnerable? (laughs) I mean, a bad cell signal? Are you, it's never happened since, but I'm telling you, anxiety isn't a sin. It's a signal to alert you to something. And if you, like some of our friends that we don't agree with, just put a piece of black tape over the light so we don't see it anymore, how many know that's not going to make it go away and we're not going to be able to deal with it? But let me tell you, what I love to do is just stuff it, right? Just, I'm a good man. Just stuff it, right? It's like, oh, I make, I'm going to stuff. And I'll, uh, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. And inside it's like, right? Some of you know what I'm feeling. Maybe you felt that way. But if anxiety is a signal alerting you to something, I would propose to you today three things that alert you to. First of all, it's alerting you that it's time to pray. It's time to go before God. It's time to seek God. It's time to take our cares to God. And in our text today, that's exactly what Jehoshaphat does. Now, I'm not telling you just say one prayer and it's all going to go away. But it's a signal that I need to be talking to God about this. It's not going to help me to stuff it. It's not going to help me to get my car. It's not going to help me to go lay down. It's going to help me if I begin to talk to God. So we see here how verse 3 in chapter 20 says, Jehoshaphat was terrified. Another place says that he was... uh, concerned, but he was terrified. Chapter three, Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and he begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. Takes his burden to God and he says, guess what? We're all in on this. We're going to take it to God. We're talking to God. This anxious moment is going to drive us to prayer first and foremost. You ever heard this? Well, all we can do now is pray. (laughs) I think that's probably the best thing. That's the first thing. And Jehoshaphat begins to pray, and the Old Testament records his prayer. First of all, he says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, you are not the God, are you not the God who is in heaven? <laughs> Just want to remind him, hello, you're in heaven. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hands. No one can withstand you. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or a plague, or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. He's saying, God, we trust you. Our faith is in you. God, we believe you can save us. Oh, God, and he says, he kind of starts his fancy prayer, God of our ancestors. Maybe when you get anxious, you want to get like, liturgical there and just do some kind of fancy prayer how about this sometimes i just say god help that's a good prayer or what i've come to do is christ have mercy three words christ have have mercy hear me you can be brutally honest with god and that's what's happening here with jehoshaphat he's just being honest with god 
God of our ancestors, are you not in heaven? He says, help. <laughs> Hear the cries of your people. Yeah, last week, we alluded to how our brain works a little bit. And we talked about how the human brain makes simple connections called neural pathways. I'm going to step into the weeds here out of my area of expertise, but I do know the word neural pathways, right? In the first few years of life, over one million neural pathway connections take place every second. It's incredible. But the brain, as it begins to learn, connections are simplified. In fact, if a, a thought keeps coming in, pretty soon it makes a shortcut to that thought. So things are easily repeatable. So in your mind, you get something down that you're used to doing. It's not like you're doing it for the first time. And one thought is a thought that puts, and you put that thought in there multiple times, it's easier to think that thought again. Are you following me? Now, that it's good news when you're healthy. <laughs> and it's bad news when you're not. Because it can go both ways. And if I don't deal with my mental health, then I'm going to get in paths where my brain goes straight to there versus somewhere else. And so it's a signal that I begin to pray. How important is that? I, Dr. Carolyn Leaf wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. She's a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist, a.k.a. she's smart. And she said this, It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain in, to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but according to this scientist, prayer can change the chemistry of your brain. Meditate on the negative, and it's going to keep coming. But you can actually, when you go to God in prayer, prayer can break the cycle. Second Chronicles 20.12, he says, For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. He's, he's honest about it. He doesn't pretend it's not there. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Look, he's saying, in this moment, in this craziest craziness, we're trusting you. In this environment, in this day and age, all we can do is look to you. Peter said it this way, cast all your cares, another translation, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. God cares. And I've heard this too, and maybe you've heard it. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If you're stressed out and it's on, you can take it to God and he's going to understand. The Bible says that he knows that we are dust. We are made out of dust. He said that his son, Jesus, was tempted in every way that we are. Jesus experienced. He understands. If it's big enough to worry about what I'm trying to get to you today, it's big enough to pray about. And can we all of a sudden stop and say, once I'm feeling that feeling, it's going to lead me, first of all, it's a signal to pray. Let me take it to God and not take it back. <laughs> Sometimes I take it to God and then I take it back. I say, here, would you help me with this? Here, let me just stew on this for a while. I, I'm still working on that. But we take it to God and, pray, and then it's another signal. It's a signal that it's a time to pause. And look at what 
Jehoshaphat did after this prayer. In verse 12, he said, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In verse 13, all the men of Judah and their wives and their children and the little ones stood before the Lord. Why is it when I get stressed out that I want to run faster? Anybody? (laughs) You know, uh, if I don't know where I'm going, uh, I turn the radio down and drive faster. I don't know why I do that. I I just need to do something, though. Uh, Most ladies are better than this. Most females are better than this than men because I just need... To do, I don't know if you've ever heard this. Don't just stand there. What? Do something. This is the exact opposite. Jehoshaphat says, don't, don't just do something. Stand there. Another place in the Bible that says this, be still and know that I am God. Psalms 46.10. It's the craziness, the pace, the treadmill that we're on, the instant information that we're in that is created such a space and I'm asking you when are you able to get before God and say I am just gonna I'm not gonna do something I'm just gonna stand here sometimes God may direct you to to the word and you get a Bible verse that begins to renew your mind sometimes God will lead you to change something in your diet I'm just saying God can work through I believe that God works through quality, amazing doctor. Sometimes God will lead you to a doctor that can help get things in your chemicals. Sometimes, like we talked about last week too, a quality Christian counselor. If I would just stop and say, God, I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. Lead me in the right place. And I'm just going to pause. And I'm not saying every time, but many times God will begin to come. And sometimes we do the hard work of like trying to retrain our brain because my first inclination is always to go to anxiety. So I'm going to work on this. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to work with people that work with me. Sometimes it's a long process, but it always starts with God. That's what I'm saying. It always starts with God. It is directed by God. And the result of God is you take it to God. My anxiety is a signal that, I, first of all, I need to pray, and then I need to pause. So while they were waiting, Second Chronicles 20, 14 and 15, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, and he said this, Don't be afraid or discouraged. Maybe for someone, you just came today, you don't even know why you're here. <laughs> maybe you just happened, maybe you just thought, well, I got an extra hour, might as well spend it somewhere, and you're here. Maybe you just need to hear this. And this word will be for you. Don't be afraid or discouraged. He says, don't be afraid or discouraged because this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Go out and face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. He says, don't be afraid. The battle is the Lord's. I always try to fight stuff first myself. And if we could get this into our mind to say, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that, right? We don't wrestle against people. Our fight, most of the time, is a spiritual one. It's, there's spiritual forces wanting to ruin my marriage, ruin my finances, ruin my children's lives. There's spiritual forms, forces trying to get me to a place of debilitating anxiety. And so if there's spiritual forces out there, how great and amazing is it to know that this is not my battle, this is God's battle. This is God's battle. I'm not just telling you, try harder. 
I'm telling you, we pray and we pause. And he says, don't be afraid. He cares for you. His power is real. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And even when anxiety is the strongest, we need to know it's not a sin, but it is a signal. And if I can just let that signal drive me first to pray and then maybe to pause, the third thing here, and you guessed it, it's another P, it also is a signal that it's time to praise. And you say, well, how'd you fit that in there? This is exactly what Jehoshaphat does. It's crazy. Look what the king does in verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out ahead of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So listen, the enemy is bigger. They're, they're a much greater force than they are. And Jehoshaphat, guess what? We're going to send the worship team first. And we're just going to let the praise of our God. Let me just tell you what, not only those hymns that you learned as a child or that was so meaningful to you, when you go through difficult times, how amazing it when one of those lines of those hymns comes to your mind. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. That's putting praise in front of the battle. And what I love about our worship is we haven't gone away. There is there's incredible hope and biblical depth in the songs that we sing when we say, man, when all I see is a battle, man, you're going to battle it for me. You're going to go ahead of me. And they begin to sing and they begin to praise. And it says, the Lord sent ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who were invading Judah. And they turned on themselves and they just destroyed themselves. The enemy. I love that part. By some miracle, it happened. God did a miracle. This isn't a story just in the Bible. It's, and I know sometimes we can look at just miracle upon miracle. But I found that when I allow the signal that a gauge is going off, that when I take it to the Lord in prayer and I stop long enough just to hear his voice and then I begin to thank him, in advance. Notice this. He didn't like wait till God routed the armies and they were all dead and they were put in the plunder. Hey, let's sing a song now that it's all been good. That's usually when I turn on the good music is after it's over, right? He said, no, no, no. We're going to praise God ahead of time because guess what? The truth of who God is is going to work no matter what. They didn't praise him after the victory, although I'm sure there was lots of praising after. They praised him before there were dead bodies laying everywhere. <laughs> and I know that sounds kind of gross and sick, and that's the way it was in the Old Testament. But God's speaking to me and say, are you going to thank me and praise me with just as much energy and focus as if you did win the $1.6 billion? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to slip that in there somewhere. <laughs> if you're in the room and you got that, please tithe. But... Uh, <laughs> You just need to know I did not, so don't be asking me. But I'm telling you, I know that I'm not trying to make a joke out of that, but there's sometimes when you get to a place where financially you say, God, it's you or nobody. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do. And when you get to a place that your kids are going through things, that it's stuff that you cannot handle, and you can just say, okay, God, <laughs> I'm going to thank you in advance because you love these kids more than I ever 
when you get to the place where this, this marriage is never going to make it. And I know that it takes two people to make a marriage and only takes one to leave it. But there are times when you're thinking, okay, what am I going to... And you just say, God, I thank you in advance because what you join together, you're going to do abundantly above all I can ask or think, but I'm not seeing it yet, but I'm just going to thank you for that. And it almost gets to a place where we come before God and say, God, I'm just going to give you praise. And all the praise I've got right now is a jacked up bank account. I thank you, God. All I have to give you right now is a broken down body. (laughs) All I have to give you right now is stress and anxiety, but I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to thank you because you're still God. And if you'll fight this battle for me, I'm going to let you do it. And when all the anxiety is gone, it takes faith. It takes faith in the moment when you're hurting. I wish I could say that I waited to praise until the anxiety is over and gone. Sometimes for some of us, it's going to be at bay, but maybe it won't be completely gone. But when you're feeling anxiety now, you need to know it's not a sin, but it's a signal. And I'm going to let it drive me to pray. I'm going to let it to lead me to pause. And I'm going to bring the praise. The result was, verse 29, the fear of the Lord came upon all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. God, I pray for the day when we have rest on every side. It might not be right now, but we're going to look to you and we're going to trust you. I want the worship team to come back up right now. And we're going to worship some more. And I know this is a little bit backwards, but I felt the Lord lead me to do it this way because, like I said, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And right after that, he said, so take up the whole armor of God and doing everything, stand. And in my book, I would say, arm up and go get them, right? Arm up, load up, get two of the biggest guns you can on each hip and run to hell, firing all the way, right? But he says, no, doing everything to stand, just stand. And I want to encourage you today, as we give in to worship again, as the team begins to lead in worship again, perhaps God is speaking to you today. Perhaps you're in this room and you are anxious. Maybe the darkness of the weather is matching some of the darkness you feel. Maybe like me, every time you see a news article or perhaps accidentally land on a news channel, it's just nuts and crazy and you don't want to deal with it and it's just noise. Maybe there's issues going on with your family. Each one of us in this room have something that's not answered in some area. But what we're trying to do through this message series is to say, you know what, mental health is not something that we should ignore. Mental health is a very real thing and God cares so much. He's going to be with you. He's going to walk with you. And so when we read things like don't be anxious about anything, 
we don't just stop there and say, well, that's impossible not to be anxious about anything. But if we keep reading, it says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I like to interpret this, the crazy peace that makes no sense will guard your heart and your mind. Not just your heart, mind. So as we begin to worship, I'm not going to say, everyone stand up. I, d- I just want you to pause where you're at. And maybe God's speaking to you that it's time for you just to do everything and just stand and just give it to God. I want you to take the posture that you need to as we begin to worship. Maybe God is going to lead you to stand where you're at and just get along with God. Maybe God is going to say, okay, it's time to step out. Just come and stand along here. I'm going to do everything and I'm going to stand. I'm going to take a stand because my alarm bells are going off and it's going to lead me to prayer. It's going to lead me just to wait and it's going to lead me just praise you in the middle of the craziness. Praise you in advance of the victory. I'm just going to take a moment and I'm going to praise you because of who you are. Let's let's worship. Turning light. 
lives around Who I worship you Who I worship you You are here Mending every response time like this, there's a lot of people that will say, hey, let's just listen to, the, to God's voice. Let's just listen to God's voice and hear what he has to say to us. And then we go straight into singing lyrics. 
And in my opinion, that, that blocks our ability to hear God's voice if we don't just listen in the silence. So what we're gonna do right now, we're gonna worship some more, but we're just gonna take a moment. I just want you to hear for God's voice, listen for his voice. You may be facing darkness. You might be facing a path that you don't know is clear. But as we talked about today, it doesn't matter. Just look to him. Just look to him right now.
What a declaration that we can make today. No matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what just went down in my family, no matter what enemy is maybe figuratively at my doorstep, it doesn't change the fact that God is good. God is good. And we're going to declare it. I just got a picture of Jehoshaphat's worship team, and they're standing out in front uh, of their army and in front of that enemy and just saying, hey, you guys, you're ugly, but God is good. <laughs> you're ugly, but God is good. I mean, I know we're not supposed to say that kind of stuff, right? But you know what? I don't care what you're facing, and it's probably ugly. I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what's facing you in this next holiday season. But if we could get that and just kind of go, man, that's ugly, but God is good. Amen. That's difficult, but God is good. That's going to be hard, but God is good. He's a way maker. He is a promise keeper. He's a light in dark places. Those are the things that never change about God. Our task, our opportunity is to trust him in the in-between. To trust him when all we can see is ugly ahead of us. But it doesn't change the fact that God is good. So here's what we declared today. God, heal my anxious mind. I might, I might not ever be at a place where stuff doesn't make me anxious. But I've been reminded that it's just a signal to put it before God and to pray. It's a signal to stop running around with the chicken with your head cut off. Just stop and listen. And if you're facing ugly, just praise me and say, that's ugly, but you're good. You're good. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for kings like Jehoshaphat. It just stumbles onto what you wanted all along. It's just them to look to you and say, we can't do this, God. We are looking to you. There's so much stuff we can't. We can't, but you can, and you know. I can't fix some of the stuff in my life. You, you know you care. I can't fix all the stuff in my country and who knows what happens on Tuesday, but God, you're still God, you're still good. And you know, and you care. God, I pray that one thing we could take for those that are watching online or those that are in this room, that we walk out of this place saying that God, you're good. I trust you. Help me to see it in your timing. God, I'm gonna take the stuff that I'm anxious about and I'm just gonna give it to you. I'm gonna lay it on you because you care for us. I'm not going to guarantee that in my, the way I'm wired, I'm probably going to take some of it back, but God, bring me back to this place again where it's, it's just okay. Give it back. Give it back. God, help us to give those things over to you because you care for us. In Jesus' name. You know, the first of the year, we usually do a time of fasting, just kind of setting up the new year. And for me, usually, uh, I'm a radio guy, and uh, uh, usually I just turn off all talk radio, and all I listen to is worship music for like one month, and I feel so much better. <laughs> now, here's the question to ask Dumb Dave, well, how come you ever go away from it? <laughs> but I was reminded today about, hey, remember when you used to do that in January? It's about time to make that a 12-month process. Give it to God. Let the worship 
of his name be louder than the noise that you hear. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just before you walk out of the room today, thank you for spending some extra time with us today. I've, I feel like it's so well worth it. And hey, team, I'm just going to ask you to continue to play. And if you would like to visit once we leave, maybe you could just exit the room. And if you just want to continue to pray, they'll play as long as you want to pray, right? But uh, let's just, I don't want to cut this off. Some of you might need to go. And you know there's things coming up. Uh, for the ladies, there's a women's Christmas brunch. There'll be some ladies right by this fireplace right out here that'll tell you all about it, details. It's going to be really great. There's more about convoy women's empowerment have to do with that brunch. This Saturday's men's breakfast. Guys, you know what to do. And today's the last day if you want your kids to go to kids' convention. So I've given you the details, but now let me give you what God's given me, and that's that blessing that I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and give you peace. Even if you're standing in front of ugly, he gives you peace because he's good. In Jesus' name, God bless you as you continue. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.